Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Um, hey, welcome back to another episode of Today in Sports Betting. This is a kind of impromptu cross-episode thing, so um, we're going to go a little off the structure, but first and foremost, I'm Devin Ellington, uh, D-A-L-E-007 on Twitter, and then we also have Mr. At Sharky Nation here today, and then um, before we get too excited in all this, I do got to talk about Manscaped. It is our uh, show sponsor. You're going to get 20% off and free shipping if you use promo code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. And then you can use that on the lawnmower 3.0. just came out, fully electric, waterproof, smooth, and it glides, and it will take care of that lawn problem. I, I should probably do some maintenance myself, but... Um, Likewise, by the way. Yeah, there it is. And so use that promo code and uh, you can use it on their lotions and face stuff and all that good stuff. So manscaped.com, hootball20 will get you the discount and the shipping taken care of. So, all right, we got two Thursday games, one college, one pro. The Falcons in a divisional game against the Panthers, they're going on the road. Then... Honestly, I think I'm a little more excited for this game, and that's the Southern Alabama Jaguars going on the road to taking on the Georgia Southern Eagles. Sunbelt, Funbelt. I'm excited for both. All right. Mr. Sharky, what do, what do I call you? Is that too formal, Shark, Sharky? There's numerous points. And I, as you know, I've gone through Twitter and I've gone through Instagram and I've gone through all the points of media agglomeration over the course of two years. It is at Sharks and Sports, but yeah. I prefer the shark. the shark. And this is not to be conceded. This is actually an accreditation to my win rate over the course of two and a half years on Twitter. And uh, you know, I, I, I trust myself more so than really the sphere. And I, I love to do it. I love to bring out the picks and the heat and just the energy. And I, I was doing a, a video prior with Michael Jordan jump video, and I said, "This inspired me when I was a kid." And you know, Devin and I were talking just off off the record, and we were talking about our beards, how unbelievably masculine we look right now. <laughs> and ultimately, you know, when you look at masculinity, you look at the Sun Belt Conference. I mean, this is a showcase of secondary level football. And you you made the comment, Southern Alabama versus Georgia Southern, and Georgia Southern minus four. I think here, here in a window that is very difficult to predict if I had to make a comment off the cuff I think this line is ultra sharp and uh I don't have a side here do you have a side here I actually did a game write-up for every game of the Sunbelt Conference and this is one of my more favorite ones just for the simple fact of the opponents that each team has played the teams that Georgia Southern's won against was UMass look up their recent college football history um yeah. Campbell the Camels that should tell you something. And yeah. then uh, UL Monroe, who's 0-7, last place in the Sun Belt. Also the only, true. The only common opponent they had was UL Monroe, and uh, South Alabama disposed of them a whole lot easier than what Georgia Southern did. But Georgia Southern runs that efficient ground game, you know? You know, that uh, time of possession, clock control? Absolutely. So if, if Southern Alabama can't connect on their big plays or Desmond Trotter can't move the ball in big chunks like he normally does – then, you know, you're going to see a little bit of a more tense game. But if that happens, I think both defenses are good enough to make it interesting. And Desmond Trotter's a better quarterback, in my opinion. Shea Wirtz got hurt at the end of their last game last week, the quarterback for the Eagles. So it, this line's actually crashed down. I believe it was uh, Southern Alabama 6.5 at opening. And uh, 
you know, in, in my write-up, I, I locked them in at five, my, uh, plus five and a half. I like them at plus 175 on the money line, too. So, Yeah, I think I, I just g- very generically scaled this per my usual analytics in the last 20 seconds as you were talking because you're unbelievably elo- eloquent quantity, and I love listening to you speak off the cuff. Um, I think the over here might have some merit. Mm. I think that there's a very noteworthy point here with South Alabama. This is not the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is the South Alabama Jaguars. They've only played one road game this year, which is very interesting. And this goes back five games ago. They played a home game versus ULM, as you mentioned, who is really just absolutely down this year. And I think that the lines were not reflecting that. I think Vegas has mildly adjusted, but I think ULM is a perpetual fade this year. And, of course, Texas State is very inconsistent, home and away. There's you know, in and out of big conferences, the whole thing. And um, But you go back to the, the opener at USM, Southern Miss. Shout out to Brett Favre, of course. Um, and Frank Gore Jr. Oh, yeah. Also. <laughs> yeah. We're in, we're in the- <laughs> And, and continue that. The, um, however, in terms of their defense, on the road, 32-21 to 21 in the opener, 53, right? And then they go 51 at home, 52 at home, and then they cluster two unders, 50 and a 52. I think here, this line is coming up a little bit. I think Georgia Southern is a defensive squad coming off of a defensive battle at Coastal Carolina, who's obviously – showcasing the class of the conference right now this might come up i think the short week this might come up right now i think if i had to make a comment i think the over is probably the best side of the game here at 52 and a half i think this probably moved a little bit i don't have the uh, the analysis on that but if you want to make a comment or we could go further immediately um one last little just tidbit about this you know at the start of the recording which was literally like eight minutes ago i think it was um Southern Alabama was getting four. It's all, it's down to three and a half. Yeah. Um, so, um, but that was the last I, you know, it, it, it opened 53 and a half for the total, but it's gone kind of up and down. It's waved a little bit. So I think it might settle right around 53. Yeah. But, yeah. And, I, and again, just a general market commentary. I do think that would be more so a public under. I think yeah. people who look at recency bias, they see a lot of low totals and uh, just, you know, obviously I don't autopilot contrarian nature, um, but I just look at numbers. And I think, you know, certain environments, especially, again, not having played a road game in five weeks, this could take on a completely new environment for this squad. So I think the over is probably the best thing. And, in fact, I might actually take that now that we're looking at it. And this is the beautiful thing about commentary. You start to see things that you wouldn't even look at. Sure, sure. And, you know, like you said, I wasn't looking at the over either because I was locked in on the Jaguars. So um, now that you're talking about the over, what my analysis and what I felt in it is a little bit more constructed uh, back forth. And so, um, you know, a little more structure in it and I like it. So I I got a little more belief in it because the over would actually play to the advantage of the Jaguars. That means they're getting those big plays and uh, Desmond Trotter's running for a hundred yards and throwing for three touchdowns and moving the sticks early and then on third down. So um, yeah, could be an exciting game tonight. Ready to talk some NFC South action? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Cool. So, as we mentioned before, the Falcons taking on the Panthers. Total opened at 51.5. It's not moved much. It's now at 51.5 still. The only thing that's moved is that little hook that was on the opening line. Uh, Falcons getting the 2.5 initially. It's down to 2. So, you get further away from that key number if you like the Panthers' side in this. Um, I'm going to let you take this one heavily just for the fact that I love Teddy Bridgewater, so I have a little bit of a biasy. Um, I love Matt Rule as a coach, so I need you to kind of guide me in any which way on this one and the listeners and viewers. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that there's obviously – I made the comment – prior on the dad bots podcast a couple of my buddies also oklahoma state product which i know you are and that's a beautiful thing um this is a very difficult game just because inherently short week off three days rest there's always ambiguity off the bat and then you get 
a divisional opponent in a revenge game in a three-game window with a coaching change. So the Falcons are hard to really discern here because we don't really know, and we're trying to figure out to the best of our ability, was Dan Quinn that much of just a toxic entity, energy, whatever you want to call it, within their locker room? And in a small window, it seems he was, really. They had the initial coach firing Jolt, and they obliterated the Vikings on the road. And then they played the Lions, who were pretty representative. I mean, the Lions get a bad rap, but the Lions are pretty representative. They are very competent in just general football averages. And the Lions backdoored the hell out of them. They scored a touchdown with no time left. So the Falcons should have won two games in a row. And I think that ultimately when you look at the Panthers, the Panthers obviously have also lost two games in a row, but they did cover at the Saints. That's a big play-up spot. And ATS covers matter. It's not always about just straight-up analysis. It's ATS evaluation. And I've been all over the, the map with the Panthers this year. I love the Panthers. Some of my best ATS efficiency are Panthers and Cardinals. But it's moving in and out of their boxes, knowing when they're going to suck and when they're going to play well. And I think that ultimately when you look at the, the Falcons, again, these are representative professional athletes. This is a revenge game. They lost by seven at home, 23-16 to in the Dan Quinn era. The paradigm may have shifted. And I think that they come in here and they catch, again, Teddy Bridgewater. I love him to death, but I think this is a nice little by-low in the Falcons tonight. I think it's a revenge game, short line, and it just comes towards the Falcons. Yeah, and, um, you know, just very shortly before we jumped on this this production here, um, there was some commentary on a, uh, on a Twitter feed and, you know, Giles uh, from – Odd Shark was mentioning some props on Todd Gurley. Um, you know, the Falcons pass the ball 71% of the time, but that's just because of out of necessity. Um, you know, if they get the ground game going early and have success with it, I think they could easily stick with it. And, you know, Gurley, if he doesn't fumble the ball, um, and one, one that I like, I, I like his anytime touchdown, um, you know, that's going to be chalk, but, you know, it's almost guaranteed with the Panthers leaking, you know, for fantasy's sake, I don't know what the exact football measures are, but I know they're one of the worst teams against running backs um, and give up a lot of the most production. So um, I'd like to check the red zone numbers a little more. I know both teams struggle with their red zone efficiencies, but um, the good thing about Gurley is he can stretch it for 20 um, and score off the sideline. So he doesn't really need to be – well, I guess that's still technically the red zone. 22 yards, um, he can take it to the house, you know. So um, Teddy Bridgewater covers a lot of the times as far as his career goes. Um, so I, I think I want to take the – I'm trying to figure out a uh, total because I can't get away from the side. So I think I'm just going to play this with some fun, fun prop bets. Two TDs for Todd Gurley at plus 750. Again, Giles pointed that out. Um, over with Odd Shark. So, I mean, um, I think that's probably where I'm going to be at tonight. I've got some fantasy players going. So, I think this is going to be a fun game for me to be a part of as far as a football fan. And yeah. Acting. So, um, as far as the analysis, I think what you said is spot on as well. So, um, you know, can't be complaining about none of that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, a final comment on that. I think that there's always just – the beautiful thing about gambling in general is that it's not always a professional endeavor, right? It's fun to take something that is fun. Like, believe it or not, it's fun. I'll drink a white claw to that for real. And uh, I like that. I like the bylaw. I like the, the, the personnel analysis. And when it comes down to it, you know, it, we were talking about a couple days ago, I think the over has slight merit too. I think that in a short week, there's always faux narratives. I think there's public narratives um, just in general that in a short week, everybody's going to suck. It's going to be – it's kind of like the snow game when they say like, oh, it's going to be like 3 nothing, and then all of a sudden it's 51 to 28. It, usually the, the short week fatigue comes on the defense more so than the offense. The, the offense is running downhill on their ass if we're being honest. Yeah. And I think that the over has some merit. And again, it's just, it's just a nice little spot to take maybe a prop, as you said. And I think just 
you know, per my analysis, I think Atlanta would be the side here if I had to really go on that angle. Yeah, and, you know, to speak to the over a little bit, just to talk about some efficiencies on both sides. Uh, completion percentage for both teams was over 70 or, or 65%, and uh, Carolina, you know, with Teddy Bridgewater, they're at 72.22. Um, as far as the defensive opponent completion percentage, um, 71% allowed by Atlanta, 68.9 from, to, uh, from Carolina. And then they are also going to give up a little bit more red zone scoring percentage success uh, that might open it up for the offenses that are. Uh, just right right around 58 and 52% as far as success rate in the um, red zone. So maybe we see it open up a little more. Uh, yeah. Tired defenses, common foe. So, yeah, you know, honestly, you know, I think that when you look at recency bias, I think one of the good things you can look at in NFL football, of course, the small window, always 16 games, you get really nothing. But when you get a small window, divisional matchup coming back four weeks later and you see what was kind of a bloodbath like defensive bludgeoning but that was the Dan Quinn bullshit era it really it was the end of the game and I think that the over does have merit here and I think that your your player props and your just general narrative in terms of the player efficiency does speak to an over as well and I think the line also connects with that you have I think a 40 Nine and a half, fifty-one movement up. I think a lot of sharp action on that, and I think that off of twenty-three to sixteen again, bloodbath, prerequisitely three weeks ago. This is a nice little over movement point connecting across the board. Yeah. Also, when these teams last played, and this is all the rest I'll have on it. I had some. We, we were talking about some ATS stuff, and I just had some a random sticky note with some fun notes on it. Um, yeah. But um. When these teams last played, I think that was fresh with the Christian McCaffrey injury. And the teams, I think there was a couple of untimely turnovers on both sides of the ball. So um, keep that in mind. Um, And and, honestly, now that I'm looking at it, I think, of course, one of the most difficult things, just as a prerequisite commentary point to you know, public people following, and, you know, we, we love people listening to us, but I think it's hard to merge a total and a side. It's always hard because you're rooting for both sides. Um, I do, and of course, I, but I do think the over is great. I think the Falcons probably are on the side. If I had to wait one of the two, I think the over might actually be slightly better. I think that's the uh, opinion that I'm going to share with you on that as well. Um, so the eight, are we good on this game, or did, did we want to move on? That's it for me on that All one. right, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm fresh out there too, bud. All right, so <laughs> uh, just some ATS trends, uh, or, you know, just things that I saw. I guess not trends. I thought they were really interesting because I was just doing some deep diving last night. Um, right. There's only two teams in college football that are 0-4 or worst uh, ATS one is Kansas University, and the other is the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. So, and then Arkansas is the only team. That well, let me make a comment. Let me make a comment. Okay, okay. Less miles seems to have less, less, and less all his miles back at LSU. Yeah, I've, this is this might be just one of those like sort of contract, like career Hall of Fame type of coaching environments for him. He is bringing absolutely nothing. He had COVID. He's in and out of the box. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, it's one of the – and I made the comment to you on Twitter. Mm -hmm. You're going on Twitter, of course, but in in terms of just literally, uh, you know, editing nice little numerical things. But, you know, sometimes I don't love taking large-scale context and – just perpetuating them right into the box. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like sometimes the situational analysis is ultra specific to the moment. And I think like with Kansas, I think they might be just be an absolute grease fire. I think that just the coaching again, less miles and you know, emotionally he's kind of a funky dude. Like, like he's not the dude that just walks into the room and just immediately juices the people up. So take that, to the point where he has COVID and he already lost the group potentially. I mean, this team might be an absolute disaster. And the other one, Western Kentucky, I mean, again, I don't know anything about their personnel, but I have 
track their ATS efficiency, and I've seen just sustainably absolutely horrendous. And with them, it's like, again, it's one of those situations where, especially with the smaller conferences, you realize personnel gaps year to year are huge. And that's where you see line movement. And you realize, like, just because this team beat them by 10 last year doesn't mean literally a single thing. Right. Right. Yeah. I, like you said, it's ultra specific. And I guess the way I approach my analysis is ultra specific. So I'm looking very much so for something to use any kind of constructive data that I can. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, just to speak on the gaps in the playmaking or play, you know, the positions and such, their running back, who's probably going to be going into the NFL. Um, I think it's uh, Puna, Puna Ford, Puna, or Puna, yeah, yeah. Puna yeah. Williams. I can't remember. Uh, Puna, pronunciation. Uh, yeah. He, he's, he's dynamic. And so like, I think that will maybe continue this grease fire a little bit more because they Kansas ain't known for their deep recruiting classes. So, no, um, and then Western Kentucky, I honestly, I think they've had a really, really tough schedule. So, um, but they've also been just terrible in some spots. There was, yeah. Only- yeah. I mean, if you, if you want to go, go into college football for a, a split second, I think that one side that is very interesting here is the now ranked 20th Coastal Carolina versus Georgia State over. Mm-hmm. And I think that – I had last week, I didn't post it, I had privately had the under. I thought that would be off of a sequence of overs, just a cluster. And I think it was Georgia Southern, whoever they played, that played a really kind of just a bludgeoning football environment. I think this game kind of flips the script immediately, just in a one-off, coming right back. And uh, I think that this is a really nice over at noon. Uh, Coastal Carolina traveling to Georgia State. Another comment within COVID particularly, the road teams tend to score more points without crowd noise. That They can, of course, articulate their offense better. And I think this is a nice buy low on this total. I think it's coming up. I think it's mostly sharp action. And I looked at college football very loosely. And I uh, want to plug the great Fusini, one of my men, of oh, course, yeah. Devin Thing, Shark Waters Nation, collaborating for greatness and abundance. Um, we were talking about this, and we were saying there's a couple sides that really, really jump in the early slate. And I think the, the, the first one would be the coastal over. And, again, it's, it's always noteworthy when you look at numbers and you look at data analysis, and one week you have an under, and the very next week you have an over. Yeah. That should really stand out to people, and it should stand out to your own mind as well. Sure. Like where you're just like, that was 100% and under, and then here we are the next week, the same exact squad is 100% over. That's highly noteworthy. Yeah. Um, let me throw it back to you, whatever, whatever you want to jump on there. We can go yeah. on there. Well, first of all, you can't bring up the Chanticleers without expecting a comment from me. Um, I love this team. I, I do. I, I, I could probably tell you way too much about them. Um, first and foremost, I think what we're seeing, because it did open at 65 and a half, and it dropped immensely to 59 and a half. Um, when was that think, open? When was that open? Because sometimes the open is like pre-quarantine almost. So we were doing a, the NFL contest, and sometimes the open was so egregiously early. Sure. I, I don't know that for a fact. So, but. No, the, yeah, this was um, – so uh, basically this was like just when William Hill put out the – or Circa put out the lines once last week wrapped up. Um, okay. Yeah. But I think what the perception was, and, you know, the, I think it was kind of no knowledge, but maybe not to a lot of the public, that Grayson McCall, you know, he was actually out, their starting quarterback, who's right, the right. best quarterback in regards of, like, uh, QBR, which is like a 190, um, and then completion percentage is over 75%, I believe it is. Fact check, please. Oh, yeah. Um, or right around there. Um, oh, yeah. But here's the thing. They have the backup quarterback in Fred Payton, who was the starter last year. So the fact that it plummeted because of the – I believe it's the quarterback thing that's happening with the market. Um, just getting a little late on it. That's a great, great call – because I think 
that this kid that comes in, Fred Payton, he had 14 total touchdowns last year. Two of them were rushing touchdowns, 63.6 completion percentage, and a 141.2 QBR. And the the Chanticleer's defense is great, so maybe they get an extra possession or two to put uh, put it in efficiently like they do. Um, And I like the Chanticleer's to roll. I got them at minus two and a half. It's up to a key number of three now. So, and then the over of 59 and a half, I think that's a great call. Georgia State gets loose and wild a little bit too. They have a fun rushing attack. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and also just trusting the number, you know, with a number holding court, even though, again, and it's very important, less so in the NFL. It's, it's much less noteworthy in the NFL when you look back at last year because the rosters don't turn over nearly as much. And when you look at this number, I think it does show significant movement up in terms of recency bias for the way these teams have played. And I think you might get a track meet 100%. And, you know, to speak on that recency bias, you know, with this quarterback playing this team, uh, Georgia State beat Coastal Carolina last year. I think it was a 1916 game, if I remember right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's going to repeat, you know. So. 100%. And that's another, that's another great point to the recency bias idea. Uh, 1916, that's not exactly what we're looking at at 65 and a half at an open. Right, right, right. And and this is where we are trying to be as sharp as we possibly can, which is looking at where sharp analysis, which is books laying lines. And oftentimes people don't understand this. And I always say this, but again, it, it needs to be repeated probably until ad nauseum a hundred years from now, the books are not giving you free money. So they're not just saying, okay, so last year was 35 points. Now all of a sudden it's 65 and a half. So we're giving you 30 free points. They're giving you a template to the idea that this is going to be a vastly different style of football. And you have to take note of that and you have to adjust to it. And ultimately as a capper and as just a, you know, just a general intelligent person, you have to really, really take note of that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't say it better myself. Um, there was another college football game that I was kind of looking at, and it's just because the total is so egregious. It's 82 and a half, and that's between Central Florida and Houston. Um, I saw that. <laughs> that's a big number. But I actually, I, I have, I, you know, I had to chop it down into four parts, you know. And, and I've got some first quarter plays that I really like. Um, based off what I've seen, based off what I'm looking at. But, yeah, please. absolutely. Uh, had, I mean, you said you saw this total. Did What was your initial reaction? Like, were you going to play it? Are you going to take the under? My, my initial reaction is always if something's so egregious, low or high, I like to take the egregious side. I sure. would take it over just because I think that, again, the Vegas lines are not giving free money to the supposed obvious idea that, oh, my God, how can it possibly go over 83? And, you know, Joe Public is always on the sexy under there. However, I have been tabulating this particularly big conference environments within the quarantine. And this is going back four or five years, not quarantine. Uh, some lines are moving in the right direction for sharp analytics. However, they're just – ultra sharp Hmm. and I think Houston and UCF are very very sharply graded Uh, I had Houston last week on the road minus 15 and a half and they covered by a hook yeah so that should speak to the environment that they're in UCF totals are razor sharp and it's one of those things where again the commentary is sharp but again you are playing roulette on the final possession, potentially. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to speak a little bit further on the first quarter bets that I, I took, I'm probably going to take a stab at. You know, I just, I, I can't, uh, you know, now that you talked about it in the sense of the uh, egregiousness, I think it paints a better picture for me to maybe be a little more peased about going about taking that bet. I heard your take on the, you know, the Jets-Chiefs thing, you know, so uh, just a correlative uh, analysis there. Um, so my, I, I like over nine and a half points for UCF in the first quarter. Houston, they, they, um, they're, they're. Is it used? If, if I uh, make, is, 
Is that like 120, 130? 130. It's 130. Yeah. But, you know. The one, thing, the one thing that is really important here is books. In, and uh, trust me, I'm not a professional odds maker, but mm-hmm. I've, I've witnessed it. I've looked at it. I've, I also played poker for 10 years in a casino. I talked to a lot of guys that laid odds. When the total in a team total environment in a small window is holding to a lower total, but they're increasing the price. It's actually just trying to trigger public action on it. And it's, I'm not going to say like, of course, universally this play is left, right, or center. Cause it mm-hmm. could, anything could happen. However, I was talking to my brother, old man, Beth, of course, plug always. Oh, oh, man. However, he was taking a bunch of these things in, in MLB team totals and it would just get juice, but it would hold. And it would be like the Rays team total over three and a half. Yeah. 135, 150, 160. And I'm like, why is the book not moving the line to four? Because they know this line is ultra sharp and they're trying to encourage public action on the over. Um, and I think with, with this type of thing, especially in a small window, especially given the environment of football in general, open and kick, you have the worst field position in the game, theoretically. So the first quarter, just like MLB, if we want to talk about it, the first inning, there's always a propensity for the pitcher to be just abstract, inconsistent, and unable to pitch. The first quarter of football is usually the under quotient. Mm. So don't necessarily say like they're going to score a lot of points because usually there's an influx, but it's second, third quarter. And also, if you look at a lot of splits, again, historically, there's a lot of flatlining in the first and the third quarter and massive pop in the second and the fourth quarter. And it's because of just the kickoff and it sets them back. And then also mentally, the defense, the defense is a little bit more forthright there because they're like, okay, we have them pinned just by default. Yeah. And again, when you see that price skyrocketing versus a smaller total, that usually would be just a sign that it's probably a very sharp number to begin with. And it probably could be a sharp lean to the under, if if anything. Sure. I appreciate that look. You know, that's, you know, that's why we have, you know, like you said, you, your brother, uh, old man who bet. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Um, that's why we have folks like you and him on here and do these collaborations because, you know, I don't have every insight, but I do like to at least try to give that to whoever listens and to myself. Absolutely. So absolutely. That is, no. uh, yeah, you know, I, just the mentality of that, the, the, um, just the psychology of, you know, that, that absolutely. Right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I like that. Um, with that being said, I do like UCF to cover the minus one line for the first quarter for them to win. I got that even money. So I have like a little bit of faith for them just because I've seen Houston come out. So just, and you, you see it with Dana Holgerson teams and that's, I've watched a lot of big 12 football. Obviously he came in with West Virginia and uh, yeah. I like Dana Holgerson, you know, he was with Oklahoma state for some time. So I yeah. kind of, I, Again, this is the eye test versus recency bias, whatever you want to call it, gut, eyes, heart. It's all involved with betting. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I like UCF to maybe get it done in the first quarter. Or not maybe, but to get it done in the first quarter. Um, yeah, let me, let me give it a quick look here. Sure. Um, that is what, the American? Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah and, the, you know, the biggest piece of that is Houston gives up 12.7 first quarter points per game. Um, UCF only gives about, I think it's, I have it somewhere. The, uh, yeah, 7.4, so. Yeah, and, and, and also, before I even go into the actual, like, numbers and narratives of the game, I think that's a really intelligent point for people to just cap in general, where that number, what I was saying in terms of the price scaling mm -hmm. versus a small window analysis – this could be, and I always talk to Smitty and Dino and a bunch of guys that I collaborate with in terms of just general, you know, commentary in life. Um, they're capping peripheral European soccer. Yeah. I know nothing about it. And they know nothing about it either. We don't know the players. We're, you know, we're not in the middle of Iceland right now. But they are able to discern what the line is saying, the price scaling versus the line in a small window versus the full game quantity. And it really gives you massive transparency to where the books want you to place money publicly and also where theoretically the sharp side should be. Um, and of course, I'm going to look at the game right now. And that's just a, a great comment, I think, for capping in general. Um, so we got UCF coming in here. Um, okay, so 82 and a half minus three. Last year, what was the result last year in this game? Ooh, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you, but I could find it. Okay, so, but we have UCF here. UCF is a really tough play in general because I think, as you made the comment, Dana Holgerson, he's inconsistent as a coach, and therefore the team is also inconsistent. However, give them 60 minutes, they do play to the average. Yeah. There were there was a what was it two weeks ago he flipped the fuck out at home yeah. and they immediately obliterated the team who what, was it Tulane or um, something Tulane yeah yeah they scored twenty one first quarter points or something like that yeah it was right. ridiculous but remember he like he he flipped the fuck out yeah yeah and, and then they just immediately smacked them. yeah yeah and. It, and he, but again, you're you're absolutely right. He reminds me of like you know uh, you know what, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Not Bobby Knight, but uh, Huggins. At Bob West Huggins, Virginia. yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. C, uh, CBB, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know he's a like I'm gonna call him out. He's an alcoholic. I mean, yeah. he's a, he, he yeah. drinks every day of his life. Yeah. And he's he's not in shape, but he's emotionally volatile. However, yeah. he gets them going. Yeah. He probably has a vodka tonic on the bench, but he's not getting them going out of the gate because he looks at the game like he looks at his life. Like, I'll get it together and I'll win later. And that's where, like, a guy like Holgerson, I, I don't know if he's an alcoholic, literally, and I, I never make that comment, like, you know, legitimately, but I, it's just evaluation in terms of like people's personalities and their energies and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But I do think that he has that personality type where he's the type of guy that you would see at a bar and you let him walk in and you say, I'm not going to talk to him for drink one, drink two, drink three, but drink four, I might have an opportunity to talk to this guy. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how his team interacts with him. Yeah. When yeah. They get, they know he's going to get juiced in the second, third, fourth quarter. And I think that, 
given all that just pure psychological analysis, I think that there's a good fade spot for Houston here. I think that UCF could come in here and, and blast them in the first half specifically. I think the back door is wide open for Houston. Yeah. Well, just to speak on the 2019 results um, on top of all that, um, because, you know, it's very, very synonymous and, you know, the inconsistencies you see here, you know, I'll just kind of rattle it off. Last year's game, first quarter, 17 points, Houston was putting up in the first quarter. Uh, UCF, though, scored 14. And then the second and third quarter, uh, Houston scored six points. And then they scored six points in the fourth quarter. So the inconsistencies, um, you know, but yeah, uh, UCF scored uh, 21 in the third. They won 44 to 29. Their only fourth quarter points was a safety. Yeah. And, and I mean, even that spot, just uh, at that deficit, 44-29, of course, to be laying only three is obviously short versus that environment. And the one thing that I've noticed, this is going back five, six, seven years in college football, uh, before I was on Twitter even, um, when there's a conference rivalry game and a team wins at home, and they come on the road, and they still lay. It usually speaks to just ultra-sharpness and potentially a public side take on the favorite, even in the revenge side spot. And the movement is really huge, because if you look at the small conferences, there's more movement. Oftentimes in the small conferences, you'll see a team that got like Air Force last week versus San Jose State was a great example. Nevada versus Wyoming. There's more transparency. And I also think that just as, as a very general comment, that's probably why it's it's more transparent and better to bet small conferences. The, sh- the big conferences are sharply graded. Uh, I, I do think UCF comes down here. It's more so do they come down enough to not win the game? Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, and this is where, like, I, again, Gray Fusini is one of my real confidant guys, and I, I love him to death. He's very contrarian, almost autopilot sometimes. He would just take Houston blindly. And I'd be like, the problem is UCF is still laying points here. So Vegas, even in the revenge spot where theoretically Houston should play a huge home game, UCF is still laying points. And that's a problem. You would prefer this to be Houston laying like one or a pick because then professional odds makers are telling you there is legitimate transparency to an outright win here. Right. Right. You know, it's really important to note and, you know, second what you said in regards to kind of understanding how and why the books are doing what they're doing, you know, um, and understanding the undertones of decision-making and just human nature that goes into all of it. And um, a guy we have on the show quite regularly, John Ryan, which I, I'm not sure if you've seen any of his Twitter stuff, but great, great data guy. And, um, you know, he talked about the humanality yesterday. So it's uh, really cool to kind of keep the, the dots connecting. Um, did you have, I mean, what other college football games are you super stoked for? Um, or, you know, do you want to transition to some NFL? Um. One play I had, I haven't, I haven't finalized. And again, you know, it is Thursday at eleven fifty-five a.m. on the East Coast here. However, this is the beauty of the beauty of the opportunity of sports content and commentary within Twitter. And I appreciate you. You appreciate me, and it's reflective and it's great. One thing I was really looking at was UTSA. This, of course, Texas San Antonio the Roadrunners. First half specifically. Mm. And it was a dynamic that I looked at. And, again, I don't have it up on my screen. I looked at it a couple of days ago. But it was something which is what I oftentimes look at is where a team plays either really poorly at home first half, again, without fans, and then, therefore, the same corollary flips completely on the road where they can't come out, there's no fans, they're like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? They tank, and then the coach is like, guys, like, you know, come on. But on the road, they're like, there are no fans. So we don't have to go into the hostility factor. And this is, of course, a I think it's a road revenge game. I think the line is scaling against the home team here versus the previous environment. And again, I don't don't have it up on my screen. But I think that UTSA first half is just like, 
again, like that number and narrative spot, which could really hold some weight. And last week I had one. I didn't post it, but it was a UTEP first half at Charlotte. Very similar. Charlotte was 3-0. and They hadn't played a home game yet, which is, of course, absurd. But it is 2020, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Charlotte was 3-0 and ATS first half on the road, which, again, is that dynamic, that psychological dynamic. They come out well when there's no fans. They're like, this is our game. There's no fans. Let's fucking ball. Then they came home, first game of the season after six weeks. And UTEP came in there. I think it was a revenge game off the previous matchup. And the line really actually didn't give a lot of transparency there. The line was still scaling towards Charlotte, but it was tied at the half. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to Fusini about it, and I was like, just purely in the psychological dynamic, when a team is playing in and out of the box – home and road without fans, there is a deep psychological dynamic there. Yeah, and just to speak on the UTSA and Florida Atlanta game a little bit more, um, I mean, because that's honestly a game I'm pretty juiced for. <laughs> I'm glad you brought it up. I, I love this UTSA team. Um, I've talked about the quarterback, Frank Harris, a couple times on the podcast and some articles. I actually wrote this game up in the first looks article uh, over on hoop-ball.com. So I I, I like this UTSA spot. It went from um, opening line, you know, it was like six and a half uh, down to five, you know, the movement just as the market opened last week, you know, in the total, the total's at 47 and a half. And I think you have to take into account Hurricane Zeta. You know, it's currently hitting the East Coast right now. Um, So, um, you know, betting is betting but weather can affect betting say what you want it's kind of dorky i'm into like betting and officiating stats too like ats and percentages with certain refs and uh weather conditions. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you would you, i don't know do you i don't know if you interact with the great fusini um but he's one of my good friends from high school actually so sure. we're very personal friends he loves that stuff too yeah. weather coaches refs whatever you want to call it um the one thing i will say to that and i actually was calling him going back about a week ago he got almost he got pissed off at me and i I was i was joking with him i was saying you know you're getting a little public because you know public is just narrative just by definition it's narrative it's not numerical it's not peripheral or whatever and he was like no dude it's like it's good and uh, same thing with you i know it's good yeah I just take my step myself back and I, the one thing that I just trust myself in, in what I, what I think is the books are compounding that dynamic into the line. Mm. And when people start to think they know better than the line, they're actually acting as if they know the Vegas lines didn't already take that new account. Sure. And that for for just as a standout point is just how I think. Mm. And I won't adjust my analytics because of a narrative, even if it is strong and smart. Just, just my point. Yeah. Well, um, I locked the under in at 53 and a half based alone of, you know, the fact of these two defenses Um, and then Florida Atlantic's inability to move the ball, I think without Lane Kiffin in there kind of masterminding it, Willie Taggart, you know, he's, but look at what he did offensively with Florida State and five-star recruits. They yeah. struggled yeah. to score 20 points a game. Um, and, you know, he's doing it in a smaller scale now uh, at Florida Atlantic. They struggled mightily against Marshall last week. But uh, yeah. just to, you know, tie a bow on the college football stuff, and then we'll talk a couple NFL games. Uh, I want to just throw we, – we talked Charlotte, you know, Throw Charlotte out there. I like them going on the road against Duke, Iowa State, Kansas. I like the total to go under 52. And then we already talked about the UCF-Houston game. Those three games are going to be what I write uh, for my next article. that will be coming up really, really shortly. So, Absolutely. Um, I've got a really interesting NFL game I want to take a look at. But i got to talk about my bookie, .ag, first before I do that. That is the show's other sponsor. If you use HoopBall, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, to get your initial deposit bonus, we would greatly appreciate that. You've got great customer service and so many different things you can bet on. You can play poker and blackjack. And uh, my grandma and my dad's got one. I signed them up. So HoopBall is the promo code. 
Use that at mybookie.ag, bet, win, get paid. All right, I want to talk about Tennessee uh, taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. Have you looked at this game at all? The um, you know, I have I have looked at every game in a okay. next year. Perfect. So this game, I'll throw it to you because you obviously want to discuss it. Okay. All right. So tell me what you got. I mean, let's go. Baby. You know, Come I, on. I think Tennessee gets back on track here. You know that that game that they lost because of Gostowski. Um, against the Pittsburgh Steelers does not, you know, it's not conducive with who they are, in my opinion, um, other than the fact that he almost lost a game for them earlier in the season. Um, but, you know, Joe Burrow just had a battle last week. He's he's so close to getting all these NFL wins, but they keep escaping him. Um, Joe Mixon's banged up. So I, I like Tennessee to come in here and uh, be efficient offensively and run the ball. You know, speaking of which, Carlos Dunlop was just traded, the anchor on, the, on that defensive line and the centerpiece uh, for the Bengals. Um, so I'm looking for Henry to maybe pop off for 180. Um, and then, you know, them not have to rely on Goskowski. So yeah. that's my general yeah. first opinion on that game. I want to yeah. hear what you I, think. I think you know, one of the things that I really dislike about the game in general is I feel like <clears throat> I think that Tennessee is very enigmatic against the spread, specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, they were 0-3 against the spread with three outright wins, which is highly – it's just very unique. That doesn't really usually happen. Like – you're not usually, particularly as favorites, particularly as a team that beat Tom Brady in Gillette in his last game as a Patriot last year. And this is a pretty representative football squad. Uh, they obviously went 5-0. and They came back and they laid down in the first half off, you know, a, a, a really significant three-game sequence here. I'm looking at it. 42-16 Bills, 42-36 divisional game against a fired coach bump Texans. They came out, and, you know, the Steelers blast them in the first half, and they probably should have backdoored. They, they probably should have backdoored. Yeah. Goskowski wins that kick. They had all the momentum. They should have backdoored. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, I had, I had Texans, so I'm a little biased there. But, <laughs> yeah, probably should have backdoored. And yeah. the thing – the problem I have with this game against the spread, first of all, just as a very generic comment – Minus six road with a good team versus a supposed bad team Mm -hmm. is so stock. It's just like you're just flirting. You're just always flirting, you know. And, uh, you know, of course the Bengals have been way too hot against the spread. Joe Burrow has been living the rookie life to the max. It's just just tough. I mean, I just – I can't trust the the dynamic that the Titans have put forth here with, you know – Broncos no cover, Jags no cover, Vikings no cover, Bills blow up off three non-covers, so they had to cover. Then they got lucky against the Texans in overtime to to really cover, and they got blasted. And again, the Bengals, I mean, I think the Titans win the game. I just think the Bengals are fairly representative, and they're just annoying, like if it really comes down to it. And you just don't want to fade teams like that, especially in their home stadium. And, you know, the Titans are in a weird window. You know, I'm looking at the schedule now. You know, off of a Steelers loss, of course, that was not divisional. Uh, Bengals, not divisional. Then they get Bears, not divisional. Colts, revenge game on Sunday night football in three weeks. Uh, actually, not a revenge game. I, the Shark is not in his element. This is not a revenge game. This is the first matchup of the season. That might be a playoff spot. The thing is, like, the Titans – are getting a gift wrap schedule. Mm-hmm. And we always talk about like why, you know, of course the Patriots played the Colts every single year with Peyton and Tom Brady, you know, you know, championship schedules. Mm-hmm. The Titans right now could actually go 13 and three, not playing anybody. I'm looking at their schedule. Let me just go right down this Bengals. Not good. Bears. Not good. Colts. Mediocre. Ravens. Stalwart. Colts again. So Colts twice. That's, some representative games. Mm-hmm. Browns, not good. Jags, not good. Lions, not good. Packers, good at Texans. So they play like two good teams all year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's um, like, yeah, 
my, my I was just gonna say, uh, ending, you know, I was just thinking of that last game at Houston. Uh, hopefully that's not a sour grape, you know, Deshaun Watson, you know, last week, uh, you don't know what could happen with that Texans team. Um, I, I, you know, that, that is a really good point on their schedule because I hadn't really looked at it that far out. Um, didn't realize how good they had it. I, I think they might split one with the Colts. Their defense is, I thought Malik Hooker was going to be a huge hit to them, but they're still, um, you know, they're still playing really dang good defense, um, better than the Ravens actually, um, in a couple different metrics, if I remember right. Don't yeah. know the exact ones, but I know I saw some I was looking through. Um, let's pivot over to – or did you have any other uh, opinion on this game? Did you want to talk about another one before we wrap? I uh, Well, if you want to talk about NFL, I mean, I, I want NFL – I have a couple of leans here, which I yes. think are significant. Yes. Um, I like the Raiders here fading oh, the Browns. Yeah. And I like the – I just like in general the way the Raiders have played kind of up and down week to week. And, of course, they played really far up, probably way above their average at KC to win outright by eight points as a significant dog. But then, of course, they came back home against Tom Brady and got blasted 45 to 20. And I think the Bengals – excuse me, not the Bengals, the Browns, if you look at what they did against the Colts, that 32 to 23 win, it was one of those games where, like, a lot of the games in the NFL, of course, this is gambling there's small window opportunities that can be totally opportunized and not. And the Browns completely opportunized that game. The Colts really could have won that game. And the Browns are just absolutely smoking hot right now. I think it's a great little bylaw on the Raiders. Uh, they played well out of the division in week one against the Panthers. People thought the Panthers sucked. The Panthers do not suck. So for them to win 34-30 in week one at the Panthers is actually fairly representative. I think it's a nice little buy low. Uh, going further, next game, I think a really nice spot here, which we should talk about. I'll throw it to you. Uh, Tua in his debut. What are your thoughts on that? I'm excited. Um, you know, there's a lot of pieces of the Miami team that I liked that I was hoping that they could maybe make work. Um, I like the coach. I do like Brian Flores. Um but, you know, to talk a little bit about that Raiders pick, I'm glad you like it because that was one of my – I picked, I went with two and a half over on – it was one of my analyst picks over on tally site. You know, it was one I had a pretty decent confidence amount in. Um, I think what we saw last week was that whole debacle with the offensive line and tight ends. I mean, they lost, like, just about everybody. Um, so, I think, like you said, how they go from week to week, um, this is a great spot for them to bounce back, especially after OBJ being lost. Um, Dolphins, um, you know, I, I want to watch this game just for the simple fact that two is starting. I want to see this kid play. I want to see how that hip looks. Uh, apparently, um, you know, I mean, he looked good in limited time, you know, last week when he went in, but you know, it was, uh, he was probably a little more comfortable. Um, that, you know, I want to see what kind of game plans installed for him. I want to see just how they work uh, Miles Gaskin in with them. I think they could do some really fun power option kind of stuff with Miles Gaskin back there and pull some guards and get moving uh, horizontally. So, yeah, um, as far as the side total, anything like that, I haven't looked at it on this game. Did you have an opinion on any of the numbers? Yeah, I mean, actually, when I went through it, and, again, this this week, and I think as we go f- forward in the NFL, uh, and I made a comment uh, the other night with the dad bods who are currently not working out and just drinking seltzers further to further their dad bod quantity. However, I think that this is a really good fate of the Rams. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you really look at what they've done, it's not – it's kind of like the Steelers who have played a bunch of crap. The Steelers have not played anybody, and the only good team they played was the Titans, who were also way too good. Mm-hmm. So the Rams have played four games against the NFC East, and they're coming off a win against the Bears, and the Bears 
were actually massively overvalued versus any sort of peripheral narrative or number. So now you get the Rams traveling to the Dolphins. Hold that thought based on the fact that they are coming off of a win on a short week against the Bears, 24-10. And then you look at their next couple of games. I mean, this is just the ultimate trap. Next game, they get the Seahawks at home. Then they get the Bucks in prime time. Then they get the Niners. Then they get the Cardinals, the Patriots. I mean, this is like the ultimate letdown spot. I mean, I think the Dolphins win without – I think the Dolphins win, like, just win without really any question. And I think that another point that's really standout is that this is not going back to 98 where Peyton Manning came to the league and he had growing pains out of Tennessee. He's coming to the league. It's a different product. The, the, the college football, especially at the top level, Clemson, Alabama in particular, have conflated with NFL scheme and general strategy so much and also training where these guys come in the league, they fucking slay. Look at Justin Herbert. Look at Joe Burr. I mean, they, they slay. Like, this is not some sort of growth curve crap, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think that, like, when you really look at it, it's just an absolute, absolute sharp take on the Dolphins. I, I can't agree with you more there. Um, after hearing you talk about it, you know, I've just kind of been glancing over I like the fact, you know, it's plus 160 from what I'm seeing right now on, on the Dolphins' money line. Um, so, you know, that's worth a good little dart stab to me. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, the Rams, they that schedule is not going to be working out for them here coming up. Uh, I might try to trade Cooper Cup off my fantasy team. now. That, so thank you for that. <laughs> um, well, maybe not. Seahawks' pass defense is terrible. Um, uh- Oh yeah, oh yeah, and uh, just w- one more comment before you, if you want to wrap it up. Sure. Um, the the other game that I really like, and I think that this is definitely a contrarian. Maybe not. Maybe not. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a contrarian. I'm just the shark. But Ravens minus three and a half at home, mm-hmm. and I've been checking. I said it last week. I've been checking the quality of the Steelers, and you know. When it comes down to it, the Steelers are hovering on a ledge. They cannot sustain this. This is statistically a massive anomaly. You're not going to go 6-0 and against the spread. You're not going to go 16-0 and against the spread. You're not going to go 6-0. and You're not going to go 16-0 straight up. And the Ravens are sitting here waiting to just obliterate this squad, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I like that. Because, well, Devin Bush is out, as we know. He was lost last week. I think we're going to see a heavier impact this week, him not being there and the polls being more exposed. Um, And then it makes sense for the Ravens to give the Steelers their first loss, you know, trying to come in to Baltimore and get a divisional win. And then it puts them out of tie up at the top of the north. And, you know, as far as – you say what you want about narrative street, but I take narrative into it in some account, like I said, because like, like you said, I, Fusini, I, I 100% agree. I think that narratives, particularly in professional football, yeah, like the polar opposite would be, of course, baseball, like mm-hmm. where there's no narrative. It's just like the guy's going to get better. He's, you know, he's batting 220 over like, you know, 500 at bats, whatever. Football is, there's a lot of narrative, a lot of narrative. So, I don't mean to cut you off, but it it all kind of correlates back in with that, you know, mentality and all that good stuff. Cause narratives created by humans. So, um, uh, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at on that game. I, I think that was a good call. Um, uh, might put Baltimore into a, uh, I don't know, three point teaser, tease them down to a pick just, just to be safe. Um, got a couple of those I'm looking at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think that taps my football data bank for what I've looked at so far. I need to refill it. Um, I've got some college digs I'm excited to get into, as well as some more pro games. Do you have any other last, you know, game tidbits, things you want to plug, I, throw out? I, there? I, you know, just, just one comment, and I think, you know, we can sign off and probably run this back because it was great. I love talking to you, really. This is great uh-huh. stuff. Um, I think that – we were just very loosely talking about the Giants on Monday Night Football. 
being a really scrappy home spot for the Bucks, who have been a little too hot, a couple of big opportunities on the road. Uh, just, you know, of course, not necessarily the number. Again, dynamics, not the number. It is professional football. It's not MLB baseball July 20th with no other sports. So I think just one comment, maybe the Giants, but truthfully for me and what I'm going to drop on my podcast and also what I really believe in here on this particular week eight, it's Dolphins, Ravens, and one of the play, actually, oh, Vikings. And I like fading Rodgers here in a trap spot. They have a lot of look-ahead games. It's a revenge game. I think the Vikings play better on the road, some more dynamic emotionally. So going to close it out, and uh, that's it for me. Well, hey, bud, um, I appreciate that. I'm going to look into that Minnesota one a little bit more. Uh, it's always fun to fade Rodgers when you can. It's a little more sweatier than the normal quarterback, but it, it makes it fun. Um, I, like I said, I appreciate it again. Um, it was great to have you on. And then also to do this collaborative thing. I know we're running live for your Twitter and stuff. So it's just, um, honestly, it's kind of like a new one of a kind kind of deal. You know, it's football uh, gaming. So, and that is a phone ringing. So that the bell is ringing, bud. So, uh, well, hey. Um, we got to go in on that other yeah, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, um, this was a hoopball gaming presentation as well as having Sharky Nation on. So check us out on Twitter. I know you can uh, always find us wherever you want, Spotify, iHeart, Twitter, everything. So thanks again, guys, and have a wonderful, wonderful day. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.